It's good to be with you, friends. Um, we're just here this week, just got here, uh, and uh, been so warmly welcomed, and it's delight, uh, delightful to be with you. <clears throat> um, we were living in uh, Colorado Springs in Graham and Starr's home, <laughs> and uh, we were there in Colorado because we were, um, we've been involved with Care Corps, which is a mission uh, for 21 years. And uh, so we were there in Colorado Springs uh, preparing our staff and, uh, and so that um, I don't have to do the administrative stuff anymore. And so I can be here. And so it's good to be with you uh, for this season. This is really a special season in the life of church. <clears throat> it's a time of preparation. It's a time of God preparing you and this fellowship uh, for the person that God has chosen. He's already chosen whoever's going to come. He already knows uh, and it's just preparing us. It's preparing us for, to be ready for this next uh, chapter in ministry. And so I just ask your prayers for me as I'm here with you. Uh, I'm here trying to uh, just share with you in this uh, mission uh, of bringing Christ to Pastor Robles. And uh, if you're new, uh, then I'm new too. So let me know who you are. Uh, well, let's get to know each other. And all of those of you that are that have been here around uh, for a number of years, I look forward to getting to know you as well. Uh, let me tell you how <clears throat> all this happened, because I, I think it's important, because often we say, uh, how did something like uh, Care Corps happen in somebody's life? Well, I was about 20, 21 years ago, I was pastoring in Morgan Hill, which is near San Jose. And uh, uh, one afternoon, my secretary stepped out, and the phone rang, so I picked up the phone. And the man addressed himself as the evangelical secretary of the churches of Bosnia. And he said, we've heard about you, and we want you to come to Bosnia. Well, I thought it was the pastor from Gilroy who was always playing jokes. <laughs> and so I just yucked it up. I said, oh, that is such a good accent. <laughs> and the, the Zagreb part, I mean, really, I mean, that's really good. You know, I, mean, I, I thought it was really good. And finally, uh, he said, no, 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 no. We're looking for a pastor. We're looking for someone who's a psychologist who can come and, and, and help our churches as we're dealing with this genocide, this war, the refugees, all this. And finally, I realized it was a legitimate call. And uh, so uh, then uh, he said, we want you to come. I said, <laughs> I can't come to Bosnia. He said, well, can you pray about it? And I said, well, yes, I'll pray about it. He says, well, uh, who do you need to get a permission from? I said, well, this is where a pastor always falls back on me. He says, well, I need to talk to the elders. you know. And uh, so he said, well, talk to them. He said, so when when we, when, we, when we talk to them? I said, next Tuesday I have the session meeting. He said, then I will call Wednesday. <laughs> and so uh, that Tuesday I went to the session and the elders and talked about it and presented the, what. And after about two hours of deliberation and prayer, they said, you got to go. And one of the elders uh, said, I'll buy the airline ticket. <laughs> you know? So about a month later, I was crossing pontoon bridges behind S4, visiting mission outposts, churches, whatever, and hearing the story of these pastors, church leaders, uh, who were saying, just come and, and give us some tools, give us some ministry tools so we know how to bring Jesus Christ in this ministry of compassion to all these people who've suffered so greatly. Well, that's how it happened. So about six months later, I left the pastorate 
and with about one month's salary, and away we went. So it's been like that for 21 years. And I, l- let me tell you, be careful when you answer the phone. <laughs> um, you don't have to go to Uganda. I, last week I talked to you about that. We just got back from Gaza. We've been in Chechnya, Dagestan, all these places. You don't have, you're in past rules. And there are people here who, who are also experiencing um, such great loss in their lives, uh, who are struggling, who are really feeling stuck. They don't know what to do. They don't know which way to turn. Uh, they uh, have lost uh, the meaningfulness in life. Uh, they, they, they're angry at God. Uh, they lose hope. And uh, they begin to despair and... Um, just uh, endless emptiness. Uh, today, we are also aware of what is taking place in Paris. And we're aware we live in a broken world. We live in a world that is not safe anymore. It's not 1950, you know. Uh, it, it is a world that is so broken, and people's lives are shattered by all these different losses and griefs and struggles and and many people, they just feel abandoned. I mean, it's like nobody knows, nobody understands, nobody cares. And I think probably with all this information age and all this social media and everything, I think people just generally feel abandoned, lost, disconnected. And so what do we, what do we, what do we say to people? What, what is it we who are followers of Jesus Christ able to say to people all around us, who, who maybe have really nice clothes and they have all the degrees and they have the right whatever and they look good, but inside there's despair, there's hopelessness. Well, I believe Psalm 139 is a, is a, a wonderful psalm that speaks to us. Often uh, when, when working with people who've gone through traumatic events in their lives, the psalms are so real and they, they speak to us the truth of God's love and God's compassion and how God will work into our lives. You know, we, we serve a God who is not only infinite and transcendent. You know, the is, uh, Islam has that part right. But, but we also serve a God who is personal. And it's infinite and personal. And so we're talking about a personal God who knows us and who acts into our lives and changes us, and sometimes when we feel stuck, and there are circumstances in life are such that we don't know which way to turn. We don't know what. We don't even understand our feelings. We don't understand our responses. We don't know which way to go. And so Psalm 139 gives us eight words of hope. And the first, in first verses one through four, you know the feeling is nobody knows me. <laughs> Nobody, nobody knows me. But the psalmist says, God knows us. God knows me. You know, maybe you've had people when you've been trying to express uh, your feelings uh, and they say, I know how you feel. What do you feel like saying back? <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. But God knows. That's the wonderful thing about a God who is personal who really understands us. He knows our thoughts before we say a word. He, he, he knows 
He knows our ways, our personality. Uh, uh, he knows who I am. He really knows me. And he, uh, he understands me. And um, all these things that touch my life, they're known to God. He knows. There's a second word of hope, and that is, um, I don't feel in control. And what happens when these events happen in our lives? And they can be uh, uh, one incident or, or a number of incidents. It can be chronic. Some people experience chronic stress, not just, not just acute stress one time, but chronic stress. And some people have gone through what's called PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. A lot of the people we work with on the field have experienced this. They, they've experienced this ongoing stress in their lives. And so in those situations, verse uh, 5, uh, God's in control. God's in control. God sees the whole picture. You know, I'm going to be in Uganda in about two weeks. I leave on the 24th. I'll be back December 3rd, 4th. Uh, and if you want to go with me, come up and talk to me. It, why not? Right? This is not a religious tourist deal. This is a chance to be in the heart of Africa. And just go with me. Uh, I'll be there for one week training, and then our team continues on. They'll be working with children, and be, you, you have a chance to be there. And remember that uh, movie, The African Queen, with uh, Humphrey Bogart? Uh, you'll be just a few miles from right there. You know? Well, so why don't you go? Well, anyway, okay. So, so God, God surrounds us. I mean, um, he, he's in control. He, he, the scripture says here he, he hedges us in, uh, in front and back. He just holds us in. Uh, I remember my grandson. He was on a skateboard. I was outside. I saw him fall, and he, he looked up with skin hands. He saw me, and he ran, and just he just threw his arms around me, and I, I put my arms around him and just held him. And he looked up in his eyes, tears coming down. The comfort to know that Pop, <laughs> that's what he calls me, understood. You know, often we just, just, just to know that God is in control. We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't know what's happening. We don't understand our feelings. We don't understand, we've lost the ability to even control our feelings. We, we feel disconnected. We feel confused. Yet God is in control. God is in control. Uh, the two things that we hold on to that are so critical is that we know that God is good and God's in control. We know that God is good. He's sovereign. He's good. And all, we also know that he's, uh, he's in control. Uh, he, is, he is working our lives. And so this word of hope is so important because you're not, it's not just you adrift. You're not just you out there trying to make it. There's a God who is personal, who's acting into your life. Now there's a third word of hope and that's verse 6 and that is I, I, I can't understand. What happens usually when something happens or we go through trials and whatever uh, you know uh, we ask the question why? Why? Why me? What, what, what happened? I mean, 
we feel so disoriented, so confused. We're angry at God. I mean, this doesn't, this, why? And so I don't understand, but God understands. Uh, he, can, uh, he can act into this situation, and he can help us know that we can trust him. We can lean upon him. We can trust him. He says, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm with you. I know you. I'm with you. I love you. I remember years ago, we studied with Francis Schaeffer at Labrie in Switzerland. And uh, I remember uh, Dr. Schaeffer saying that one time he was going through a trial in his life and, and it was difficult. And, and he said, the only thing he could pray was, I believe you. I believe you. I believe you now. Sometimes that's what we have. It's just that solid belief that God knows. God is with me. God understands. And then there's a fourth word, and that is in verses 7 through 12. I, I can't see. That's often what happens, is that we feel, we feel so immobilized, so, so uh, immersed in whatever is happening, just so, so inability to see the picture, what's going on, but God sees even in the darkness. This, this is a wonderful word here in the psalmist when he talks about how that um, wherever I am uh, in the morning, in the, in the furthest uh, oceans, uh, in the depths of life, uh, God sees, he knows, he, he surrounds me, he holds me. Uh, the, the darkness is as light to God. So in the dark experiences of life, when, when life seems so dark, there is, there is, I, I, I just can't see. I can't see. I don't understand. God sees and he enables us in the darkness to be able to come to him who will bring light. He, he brings us from the dark and he brings us to the light. God's the God of light. He's a God of life. And so in the darkness, in the, in the death of experiences of life, God brings life. He brings hope and a purpose. And so we're, we're, not, we're not alone. We're not struggling by ourselves. We're not just floundering. Instead, uh, he knows us. And then, fifth, there's a fifth word of hope that I feel lost. Uh, I feel stuck. Uh, I feel uh, as if um, there's no purpose. But God has a plan for my life. Look at verses uh, 13 to 16. Uh, that w my life is not an accident. I mean, God sees me even and knows me from the time I was being formed in my mother's womb. Can you imagine that? I am known by the living God even when I was being formed in my mother's womb. He sees me. He knows me. You know, one of the horrible things I've, in counseling, I've had people say that they've had the experience of being told, you're just, you're just an accident. <laughs> you know, you're, nobody, nobody loves you. God loves you. God loves you. You're not an accident. You're known to God. You're loved by a God who is 
gracious and good, a God you can trust, a God who gives you hope in the midst of the darkness. God loves you. Now, there's a sixth word, and that is, I, I feel alone. I feel alone, but God will never abandon me. Verses 17, 18. Uh, God thinks about me. <laughs> Imagine that. The, the, the creator of everything. He thinks about me. He, he, I'm actually in his thoughts. He says he will never forsake us. He will never abandon us. And I, I can't even begin to count the ways uh, how he considers me. It's just, there's, there's, it's incomprehensible. It's just, it's beyond even imagination that God thinks about me. He, when I'm asleep, he says, the psalm says, when I'm awake, uh, God is with me and God will not abandon me. God is, God is there for me. There's a seventh word. And this kind of comes as a surprise. These, these verses, um, 19 to 22, as you read them, you kind of feel like, uh, why, why is this included? But it's because it's real. It's real. Because when you're going through these things, and often uh, it's at the hands of somebody else, the, the suffering that you're experiencing, the abuse, the harsh words, the rejection, all these things, it's because someone has done it to you. And often the feeling is, well, why? Why Why me? And then the, the, the natural response is revenge. I'll get you back. And if God is a good God, then God understands that I need to get you back. I remember we were in, I was in Bosnia, uh, in, uh, been in Sarajevo for a number of uh, months. And then I went down to Mostar, which is uh, that bridge over the river. People, a lot of people know about that. Anyway, I was in, in Mostar. And uh, <clears throat> so a little church in, in the Muslim section. And uh, I, I, I spoke that night, the evening service, Sunday evening. And there were about uh, 50 people, mostly, mostly people from the Islamic faith who were hearing about Jesus. And uh, so I was talking about how God loves us and how he is able to transcend the grief that we experience because he cares. After I finished, I didn't normally ask if there were any questions, but I did that night. I said, do you have any questions? In the very back of the room, like <clears throat> where you folks are sitting, way back there, this man stood up. I mean, he was a bear of a guy. He was huge. And he beard, and, and I later learned he was a colonel in the Bosnian army. And he stood up and he said, uh, <clears throat> and his English was pretty good. He said, um, I want to tell you uh, what happened to me? Okay. He said, I live right down the road. He said, uh, uh, one night the, the Serbs uh, soldiers came down the hillside. They came uh, and they uh, burned out half my house. They dragged me, my wife, my daughter out in the street. And uh, they raped my wife, my daughter, held me. They killed my wife, my bayonet, my wife, my daughter. <clears throat> then they bayoneted me, leaving me for dead. I survived. And um, he said, you talked about God being a God of love. He says, so what do you say to that? Well, I knew this was not the time to 
St. John 3.16. And I said, Lord, what did I say? And finally I said, um, well, if that happened to me, because what he had said, he, his only purpose in life is to kill those men that did it. I said, um, if that happened to me, I'd feel the same way. Uh, I have a wife and a daughter, and I would feel the same way. But all I can tell you is, Jesus can take that, because it's killing you, this anger and revenge, and you can give it to Jesus, and he will take it and help you, because he will make things right. The man just stood there. I thought it was going to come down, and you know, that was it. <laughs> And uh, so about uh, six months later, I was back again at that church, and it was twilight, and I walked in the side door, like this, and uh, there was nobody there, at least I thought there wasn't. Then I realized, off in the far corner, there was somebody there, and I finally realized it was, that was the same guy. And he saw me about the same time, and he ran toward, toward me, and he, and he grabbed me. And he grabbed me, and he just literally just picked me up, <laughs> just my feet, just picked me up. And he had this bristly beard, uh, and he was just going like this. And he, and he had this coffee, coffee breath. And, he was <clears throat> and finally, he sat me down. And he said, he said, when you were here, he said, I was so angry at you. He said, it, it was everything within me not to come in and just smash your face. And he said, but let me tell you, he said, that night... I went to my home. He said, I sat on the edge of the bed and I was crying. And he said, all I could say was, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. He said, I know what happened. He said, I felt this warmth go through my body. He said, I felt like a relief, this burden just... This anger, this, he said, I felt so calm. He said, that was six months ago. And he said, I've been coming back to church and learning about Jesus. And he said, Jesus is taking that burden and Jesus will make it right. Often what we want to do is we want to rush into forgiveness without recognizing that God is not only a God of love, he's a God of justice. And God will make things right. Maybe you'll never see it in your lifetime, but God will make things right. There's a day of judgment when God will make things right. You can trust God because God is just and good. He's just and good. And then finally, an eighth word, and that is I feel confused and angry and hurting and lost and all these feelings are just overwhelming. But God will restore me. God promises to restore me. Give me back my life. Now, it's not going to say that that didn't happen because it really happened. That traumatic event, those incidents, whatever, that really happened. It's not a put it on the rug or somehow a denial, you know. But the reality is I'm stuck. I'm stuck in this place of grieving. I can't get out of it. I can't, I can't move on with my life. But God can restore me and bring me back to a life of hopefulness, a life of meaning, a life of purpose, a life with a, a path to live, a path to go forward. 
maybe you're here today and maybe you've gone through, I mean, some stuff that maybe you've never told anybody. Maybe you've never revealed the deep hurt that's there. And maybe you're angry at God. Maybe you're feeling like there's no way that you can get this solved. But God cares. God knows you. He knows where you are. He knows what you're carrying. He wants to restore you. He wants to give you life and move you from death to life. He wants to help you to not only be brought to life, but to be a life giver. Your life will count. You'll do something with your life. You're not just going through the motions. Life will have meaning. Life will be full. Yes, Jesus Christ came to give his life, an abundant life. So God knows me. God's in control. God understands. He sees even the darkness. He has a plan for my life. He'll never abandon me. God will make things right and he will restore me. Are you ready for that? You know, you, you, you are touching many lives and you're able to bring a word of hope and a word of grace, a word of life. May it be that God will use us in this way. Let's pray. Jesus, oh, how we need your help. There are so many things that happen in this story of living that often we feel as if we're alone, we're abandoned, nobody understands, nobody cares, nobody understands. But you know, you know where we are. Jesus, work in our hearts today, not only to restore us and to give us hope, but to help us to be people who bring hope and life into other lives. Jesus, you've given us this special privilege of a walk with you and trusting you and walking with you. And we thank you. And we pray that we'll go forward with joy and thanksgiving because you're the God of hope. And it's your name we pray. Amen.